When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel you can get all sorts of interviews, content and podcasts from wrestling, mental health, MMA, football and much more. You can find the video versions at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation and the audio at various, pretty much every radio and podcast platform you can think of. Uh, So check out the various shows. We have a weekly football, two weekly football shows, Monday and Friday live with uh, ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker Andy Campbell. We have a MMA show which drops every Wednesday with former Cage Warriors champion Danny Bratton. And then every Saturday we drop a wrestling show with post-wrestling journalist Andrew Thompson with uh, a certain Mr Alex McCarthy filling in for Andrew now and again as well. So uh, yeah, we've got lots and lots of content as well as many other series. Uh, so today we're going to be mainly talking wrestling and a uh, about a certain inside the ropes and, uh, and and a bit more. So joining me, my guest this today, I was going to say this evening, it's not this evening, <laughs> daytime show, um, is Inside the Ropes owner and host, Mr. Kenny McIntosh. How are you, my friend? I'm good, sorry. How are you? I'm glad you reminded me it's a daytime show. I will keep my swearing to a minimum. Um, <laughs> as a Scotsman, it is very difficult to not swear, but I will do my absolute best. Well, we could be in trouble. I'd put a Scot- Scotsman and a Welshman together. Yeah. How, how long till the C word comes up? Yeah, it could be an X-rated show. But uh, So what I like to do with all my guests, really, is kind of, uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, because we do quite a mixture of, of content and subjects, is I like to take my guests right back to this kind of start, learn a bit about them, where they grew up and, and this sort of thing. Sure. Um, where did it all begin for you, Kenny? Um, it be- it began in my mother's vagina in 1984. Um, <laughs> you didn't say the c word then. I thought that would have been that would have been real early. Well, yeah, you're allowed to say the actual body part. Yeah, no, so, um, I was born in 1985 in Glasgow. I started liking wrestling when I was five because my mum's friend uh, Gail brought bought like a toy Hasbro wrestling ring, and I'd never watched wrestling before. So my mum 
uh, got me a couple of wrestling figures. <laughs> Little did she know what that would turn into. And then I kind of stuck with wrestling for the most part. Um, then when I finished school and uni, I um, I did a degree in sociology. Absolutely useless. So do not do a degree in sociology because you end up at the end of it having to realise that you can't do anything with it and you need to do something else. Um, so then I kind of worked in TV for a while because I did a postgrad in broadcast journalism. Uh, and then I started the Inside the Rose podcast with my friend Robert Duffin back in 2012. And then it kind of spiralled from there, from a hobby podcast to doing a live spoken word show with DDP in 2013. And then it's... It's, it's been a mental kind of seven years since that just things have happened and somehow we've done sold out shows with Paul Heyman WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans and now we have a print magazine and we do a podcast with Finn Martin from Power Slam. So, um, yeah, loads of stuff has happened, which I'm sure we'll get into some of it, but that's kind of the, the rough story. The, the beginning, as it were. Um, so I guess... Inside the ropes seems like the best place to kind of start the conversation. It's turned into a, a juggernaut of uh, of a thing, really. It's, it's the spoken word shows, particularly. They they're the first things which caught my attention, sort of over the last couple of years, where you see you know you see clips and stuff pop mm-hmm. up on uh, you know Facebook Live and and these sort of things, little samples. Um, and you've had some incredible names uh, on that uh, for those spoken word shows, like you say. Um, how did that? How did Inside the Ropes begin and develop, and then become the entity that it is? Um, I mean, so so basically, Robert Duff and I we had met through a mutual friend in late 2011 at an ICW show in Glasgow, and we kind of realised that we kind of had started watching wrestling around the same time, and we were similar sort of fans in a lot of ways. And we both had a kind of journalistic background. It's really wanky to say that, but like a journalistic background. So anyway, there was like a, a community radio station in Glasgow that had a wrestling show. And we heard it and kind of went, I think we could do one as good as that. So we then partnered with a university in Glasgow, Strathclyde Uni, and did a, did a live radio show on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock. For, and that was like January 2012 we started doing that. And then I was just kind of getting a bit bored in life. And then I, so there was a specific set of circumstances in 2013 where I decided I didn't want to work on TV anymore. I A relationship ended fairly badly. And then I had to move back in with my mum. So those are like not making me the prime bachelor businessman of the year. So I was like, oh, you know, there's more to, there should be more I can do with this. And then we came up with the idea of we, we found out DDP was going to be doing a yoga thing and working for a wrestling promotion in Dundee. So I reached out to his people and said, well, you know, I see there's a day off in the schedule. Would he be up for coming to Glasgow to do this? He did it for a very reasonable price, which since I realised how reasonable that was that he did it. And um, and like we did, we did a show with DDP, then we did one with Coke Cabana, then we did one with Sonny. Don't know why. And then we did one with Jim Cornette, and we pretty much made nothing on any of those shows. They were all just kind of like a passion thing. And then um, after the Cornette one, Robert had said to me, it was a really fair thing he said. He said, you know, we just packed out the Classic Grand in front of 200 people with Jim Cornette, and we didn't make a penny. We're, we're doing something wrong. And at what point do we just become marks that are just... Yeah. You know, 
doing and, and that really got to me because I was like, he's right. And and I made the deal for Cornex. I felt particularly like I had kind of let the team down in that sense. So that was a lesson. So then I kind of moved to Canada for a year um, and I didn't think I was going to be coming back. I thought I was going to move to Canada and just do something else. And we would just do the podcast on the side. And then Canada didn't work out. So I had this idea, you know, what if we did a tour, like a spoken word tour, just one with a big name. And I don't think I've ever said this publicly before, but the first person that we had in mind was Edge. And we had reached out to Edge's people at the time. And it just wasn't feasible at that point. And then Sting came up and we got, we managed to get Sting. So we did this tour in October 2015. He'd just done the WrestleMania with Triple H. He'd just done, he'd, and then, you know, as our tickets went on sale, he returned on Raw and was doing a top program with Seth. So that was lovely. And then, and then from that Sting tour, I got um, I got hired at What Culture. And um, I've, actually, I've actually got my... Uh, WCPW t-shirt on um, but uh, yeah so I got hired at What Culture kinda, and then as What Culture made WCPW I became a lot more involved in working with talent which gave me a lot more relationships with talent but at the same time as that I also managed to get Paul Heyman for a tour which was a big deal for us so things just started kind of bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then I left what culture in sort of May of 2017 because I just, I didn't really, the, the guy who ran what culture, nothing against him, but it, it was very erratic in how he would run things. There's a lot of good people that work there still to this day and they put out really good stuff, especially uh, Michael Hamlet, Michael Sidgwick, big fans of them, Adam Wilborn, Phil Chamber. there's loads of them. So, um, but I just couldn't work under the kind of, oh, I thought this was the rule, this, oh no, 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 this is the rule. Oh, you said you were going to pay me for that, but you're now not going to pay me for that. Yeah. And it just was not for me. So, so I left and I was kind of like, I need to make Inside the Ropes work. And I think the thing that's kind of made it keep chugging along is that there's no backup plan. It's just, this is it. I have to make this work. So we kept doing tours with people like Goldberg and Shawn Michaels and all this kind of stuff. And then I thought we'd hit the jackpot. And, you know, maybe my sort of confidence came back to bite me in the arse because we got The Undertaker. We got him for a Q&A, a spoken word show and a meet and greet, contract signed. It was all great. We are all good to go. And then the turn of the people who were representing him hadn't ran it by WWE, which to me is just insane. It's mind-boggling, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus. And, um, but then it's like a, a case of, and I, I, you know, Undertaker, to his absolute credit, he didn't have to come. He actually fought to still come. I do think if Starcast, if the Starcast thing hadn't happened, we would have probably got away with doing the shows because I think Starcast what really like blew up the fact that he's doing other things. So then I had to find a way to at least get him over because if we if we cancelled it, it was just going to be a nightmare. So we managed to get him over to do the signings, and then Mick Foley stepped in to do the the, the shows, which again he just did not have to do. But he's the best, and um. So that was a real, like, I thought that was going to be our big thing. And then, and I think this is just me, so I don't think this is other people putting this on me, but I I feel very bad about that. I feel very bad about, um, I feel that I let people down. And uh, I, feel I, need to, I feel that I need to, at some point, make up for that. And I think that's probably just me, because I still got him here, and people still got to meet him. And, I've, you know, 
at no other show have I ever got the response that we got at that show. Like there was at, at the shows, I had at least one person, one or two people at every show coming up to me, giving me like cards saying thank you so much. I never thought I could meet him or, um, you know, a, a treat for my dog or something like really nice stuff. But in my mind, I'm like, we didn't 100 percent deliver what we were supposed to deliver. Therefore, to me, I didn't succeed in that. So since then, I've been kind of working towards how do I make it up to people? How do I, how can I do that? So there, I mean, there's something I can't talk about. There, there was something that was absolutely going to make it up to people. And then coronavirus happened. So I can't do that right now. But um, yeah, so it's, it's just been a kind of like, how could, and then coronavirus in some way has been like a good thing for Inside the Ropes because it's forced me to kind of go, what if there aren't events? Like, what, what do we do then? Yeah. I think that's a long answer to your question, but that's, no, no, that's good. So I've got a couple of things with that. I suppose, firstly, like, I think your reaction to it is like, that's just a human reaction, isn't it? Because, like, to get The Undertaker for a live spoken show, he doesn't do many interviews and he doesn't do many, you know, much of anything outside of the WWE. I know he's done more interviews as of late on mm -hmm. certain podcasts and stuff, but generally that sort of thing would have been unheard of, you know, even a few years ago. So, I mean, to get him and then have it kind of taken away at the, at the whether it's the last minute, but, you know, taken away before you can fully put it off. Um, and I think <clears throat> the fact that you were still able to get him, you know, get him across to do the meet and greets says a lot about you because I think some people in your kind of line of business, if you like, or similar type events like meet and greets and things like this, they wouldn't have bothered with that. They would have said, or, you know, once it's done, it's done. And kind of just said to people, it's tough luck. So I think it's tremendous credit to you that you you weren't, you know, you weren't happy with just cancelling it. You needed to to do something. And you've got, not just that, you've got a replacement to the level of Mick Foley. So, I mean, the, the other, the other human. thing, I appreciate that. I mean, the other thing is that, like, we had, the year before, gone through this, like, pretty difficult uh, experience with trying to get Edge over. And, I mean, again, Edge actually went so above and beyond. He was lovely, but, like, he had a lot of circumstances that happened in his life. Like, we were going to be doing shows every Saturday in, in November, October of 2018 because he was going to be in Ireland filming. Then he got wrapped early. So then it was like, oh, no, we, we can't afford to fly him back and forth four times. Yeah. So then we were going to do it in October, and then Beth's dad died. So then we had to move it to November, and he still came in November, which he didn't have to do. So... I think for me, like personally, the the edge stuff was like so difficult. And then I thought, after this though, we've got Undertaker. That's gonna be great. And then that was like I mean, you know, the edge thing was like a scratch me compared to the you know yeah, the bash in the head with a brick. Stressful, uh, a stressful period for you. But then at the same time it's like you can't have you can't have the dream job and really complain about it. No, you know? Really. Like so and I think when you're dealing with those those type of names as well, is there's going to be uh, whether it's people you've got to go through to get the booking sorted, and you know there's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? When you're dealing with the biggest names there are, um, and yeah, I think it's a, like I said, I think it says a, a tremendous amount about you, you, and like the people who you work with that you're still able to pull uh, the meet and greet off. The other thing I was going to ask you, kind of about inside the ropes. So, mm -hmm. um, I've been doing only doing doing podcasts about a year now, a year or eighteen months, say, um, and doing various ones. But over the eighteen months, I've 
got to speak to and meet a lot of my heroes, a lot of people, and a, a big chunk of them now I kind of call friends. And sometimes I have to take a step back to appreciate it as I'm on this kind of weird ride because, like, for instance, some of the, the footballers who I've spoken to, I'll kind of look at it and I'll think, wow, like, you know, two years ago, it would have been quite kind of quite cool to, to meet these people or whatever. And then I realised that I'm doing like regular podcasts with some of them and or I've had them on or, you know, whatever it may be. Do you find it difficult to kind of enjoy the ride as you're doing it? Because obviously doing what you do, you have met and spoken to and interviewed some of the biggest names in wrestling that there are. So like I heard you talking on your podcast with Sean on Monday. Um you know, just that when you're watching wrestling, you're very much into it and you're shouting and screaming and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when you go and do the media stuff, you've obviously got to kind of do the media stuff and, you know, be that guy, if you like. Like, it's not two different people, but I know, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, so do you find it difficult to kind of enjoy the ride and appreciate, like, the madness of it all? Uh, I... I... I, I, it's, it, I have to make a conscious effort to try and enjoy it because it is so stressful. But I mean, there's been so many great moments. I mean, I remember the when we were doing the JR and Cornette show in London, and I was working at What Culture, and I was like, because so basically we were doing this. JR and Cornette were coming to Newcastle to do a What Culture pay per view, and it was like refused to lose. It had Kurt Angle on it, Bret Hart, all these people, and Bret was arriving the day before, and then the day after the JR and Cornette show, Bret was going to be getting the train up to Newcastle with us. So I'd said I was like, "What do you think the chances are that Bret would like do a run in? Well, not a run in, but like he'd walk out on on the JR and Cornette show." So he did, and like when he when when when. When we were like in the middle, so we, we had this bit where basically it was towards the end of the show and then the lights just went out and then Brett's music hit and nobody nobody knew what was going on. And then I just said, ladies and gentlemen, Brett the Hitman Hart, and people went mental. And there was like, somebody told me a story about a guy almost fell off the balcony because he couldn't believe that Brett Hart had turned up. So stuff like that is really exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, you have to try and enjoy it because, and, and you know, there are people there are people in wrestling who I could text right now, but I try to not really do that. I mean, I'll, it's difficult because I, I, even if you talk to wrestlers, wrestlers will say you've got friends, but unless you're really working together, you don't really talk that much. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I mean, I, there are people I would consider friends and stuff. So it, it's weird. I mean, the other, like the other week I was thinking about it and I forgot that I had sung with my baby tonight in the walkabout in Cardiff with Jeff Jarrett. How do you forget that you've done that? How do you forget that you sang that song? So that the child version of me would just be Especially like... Especially in Cardiff, it's like the greatest city in the world. The <laughs> the indeed, indeed. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, so I mean, that you end up doing stuff where you're like, I, I, I need to remember that I did that or like... Um, yeah, I need to be aware of it. So, but I do. I have enjoyed it all, and um, I mean, the only time I've really not enjoyed what I'm doing is the first day of the Undertaker tour, where I had a bit of a breakdown and almost walked out. <laughs> like I, I legitimately, it was it, the, one of the people that that were a situation happened, and it was so bad that I, all, I actually had an Uber booked to just go away. I was like, I'm done. I'm out. But then I was like, I can't do that. Like I can't. But I mean, apart from that one day, 
everything else has been like I remember the, the, the first day of the Paul Heyman show in London and um I woke up and my phone my phone's ringing, it's an unknown number and I answer it. And on the other line the person just says, Hey, this is the juice. I go, What? Mm-hmm. It was Hoventud Guerrero, who had somehow got my number and wanted to come to the Heyman show. I mean, who wakes up in a, at nine in the morning in a travel lodge to a phone call from Hoven to Guerrero? It's mad stuff that just is is very bizarre. So, but I think that I, hopefully what helps is that people can see that I I don't ever really call myself a journalist. I don't see myself as that. I just think I'm kind of a wrestling fan who talks to wrestlers and asks questions and tries to do tries to do what I think I would want to see if I was, you know, sitting watching stuff online. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. Um... Like, let's talk about some of the guests that you've had on. Um, so, obviously, yesterday I put out a post asking if anyone had anything they wanted particularly to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, um, one person tweeted me, tell him, ask him to tell the Scott Steiner story. Uh, and then someone else texted me, one of my friends texted me and said the same thing. Um, so, I'm not really familiar with this other than what you said on the podcast on Monday. Uh, so... Would you like to expand on the Scott Steiner story? Am I allowed to use the F word? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Okay, so um, so we had this, we we had done the tour with Sting, and we were thinking like how we we wanted to test out how WCW legends would do on a tour. So we thought Scott Steiner will bring him over. So we brought him over, and um, we were in Glasgow, and the whole thing was called uncensored. It was supposed to be he can say whatever he wants, and um, we had a bit where like. Every night we would play on the screen Hulk Hogan on the stand in his trial, saying, um, "I I do not have a ten inch penis." That's 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 Hulk Hogan. So he would rip him and all that kind of stuff. So in Glasgow, and my mum is in the audience because she comes to all the shows, and um, he just starts talking about Stephanie McMahon, and then it just gets really graphic, and he's talking about like face fucking her, and it just was like. And in my mind, I'm like, this is it's getting to a point where even I'm a bit like, yeah, okay. so um, so then Robert, who was on stage with me, he was trying to, he was saying, what can I do to defuse this? So he just goes, you know, Scott, can you can you you know, t- calm it down a little bit? Kenny's mum's in the audience, oh, and he just turns around and goes, I'd fuck her too, and then the crowd start chatting Kenny's mum, and then my mum looks at me and just gives me that look as if say don't you fucking dare point me out. So, but then one of our crew, Ollie, who, I mean, after he's had two vodkas, he's, he's you know, high as a kite. So he starts pointing, like doing a, this is her, this is her. And then it was just the most bizarre situation. Scott Steiner threatened to fuck your mum. Wow. What do you do with that? Yeah, I was going to say, that was going to be my uh, my next sentence. What, what can you do with that? It's kind of one of those mm-hmm. situations where... It's just, it is what it is. As much as I would have enjoyed being medium Kenny Pump, but you know, <laughs> uh, it didn't quite work. <laughs> but he, he was, he was so fun. Like he was really fun. And like in Belfast, I think it was, we were like, I, we lost him backstage, and then he was like pacing backstage, listening to disco music, <laughs> amp up, like disco inferno. Very strange. Not, not disco inferno, the wrestlers' music, but like. <laughs> Disco music from the seventies. So you've had like some pretty kind of con. I don't know if you'd say controversial. I suppose some of them controversial now since, um, like Sonny, Jim Cornette, and like and even like Paul Heyman and people who maybe have courted 
controversy at certain points. Um, what's kind of like the the wildest thing you've witnessed, whether it's at the shows or around the shows, with uh, all these various people? Um, I don't know if there's anything wild. I don't know if there's anything wild that I've witnessed. I mean, I do remember that, like, because um, when we had Sonny, like, I mean, Sonny at the time, I mean, Sonny doesn't know that I'm gay. So Sonny didn't know that, like, her, her attempts at flirting are not going to work with me. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's set, like, Becky Lynch and I had a brief flirtation. And I was like, she's so attractive. I'll flirt with Becky Lynch, <laughs> even if it's not going to go anywhere, happily. But not Sonny. Like, yeah. and so anyway, so she'd come over and she brought her sister now her sister was this girl who was of a different ethnicity and at least 15 years younger and then she kept like basically bringing the girl up during the show to me yeah that's my sister julie you can buy one of her eight by tens and get on and on and then the show the show finished and she's got her suitcases and she turned around to me she just sort of very flirtatiously was like julie and i are going to the strip club do you want to join us and I just looked at her and was like, absolutely not. Have a good night. No, and I walked off and got a McDonald's and went home. And I'm happy with my choice. I'm happy that I did. But the, 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 sort of the, young, the young part of you going, Sonny invited, Sonny invited you to a strip club. Um, I mean, I'm sure she was just probably trying to sell eight by tens in there. But, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nothing too wild. But in being invited to a strip club by Sonny is pretty cool. Even yeah. if it is 2013 Sonny. Yeah. I mean, um, so you've also got, I saw, I was looking on the Inside the Ropes website earlier, they, there's a show with uh, Kevin Owens still scheduled. Is that still on as, as of today? Um, as of today. Which is going on, I'm supposing. It's... As of, I mean, we, we have a call scheduled later this week to discuss, I mean, look, it's not looking great. No. That it's going to happen in November, but we are doing our best to make it happen. WWE, I want it to happen, so we are trying. Um, yeah, it, look, because we are we are trying to keep it open as long as we can, in case there's some way that it can happen. But it's becoming clearer and clearer that November fifth is probably not going to happen. So yeah. um, we need to look into alternatives. Um, but I don't know what that's going to be yet. But we're, we will we'll try our best to sort of make sure that people who have bought tickets are happy. Yeah, I think uh, Kevin Owens will be phenomenal, I've got to say, in a show like that. I just think he's one of those guys who's perfect for it. He's so um, charismatic. But also, he comes across as just being so nice as well. Like, he, he just seems like a genuinely uh, good person from everything which I see and, uh, you know, kind of heard. Um so you, you mentioned kind of earlier, uh, kind of not a change in direction, but like obviously with lockdown and things like this, you have had to adapt and, and, and roll with the punches, as it were. Um, obviously, you've added a podcast with uh, Sean Ross Sapp. You've added Alex McCarthy's interviews to the YouTube channel. Um, was that kind of a conscious decision to kind of add more variety of content or or was it just did you think something which would have probably naturally happened anyway um i think i think because i mean when lockdown happened you know for the first kind of three and a half months of lockdown you know march april may june really i think we all thought well hopefully this is all going to be over by july 
So we don't really need to worry too much. You know, everybody was thinking that by now in September that we were going to be back up and running and we were going to be doing stuff again. And so for the first couple of months, it wasn't really an issue. It was just more, you know, we've luckily got this archive of content from live shows so we can still put stuff up on the YouTube channel. We'll still do the podcast. And then, um, you know, so, so basically I, I, I got together um, in July with uh, Dan Richardson, who we, we decided to put together Inside the Ropes magazine, a print magazine. The first, you know, since since Power Slam, I've always kind of wanted there to be like a, a similar magazine. So we decided to come up with the Mount Rushmore of Wrestling Journalism, which was, you know, Brian Elliott from FSM and uh, Keith Elliott Greenberg from WWF magazine, Finn Martin, um, Bill, Bill Apter, the sort of grandfather of wrestling magazines. So the magazine thing came around and that was just like a really big thing. And then that kind of spawned my mind to be like, you know, I think we need to freshen, not freshen things up, I think we need to add some stuff. So, you know, I'm a really big fan of Alex McCarthy and what he does. And, you know, he's a really good journalist. So um, I just thought, you know, I think it would be good for him and good for us to, you know, he, his content is out in talk sport, obviously, or talk wrestling, the radio show. And then those interviews are there. So why don't we put them out on this big platform of 173,000 people? And, you know, it allows both of us to kind of, it allows both of us to get to more people. Um, and then the Sean Ross Sapp thing was Sean, Sean and I actually met like three times as we talked about in the podcast. We met at like Double or Nothing, then we met at SummerSlam, then we met at uh, All Out uh, in 2019. So we we'd met all these things. So, and we had a really good kind of relationship. We just, we got on really well. So it seemed like a no-brainer to do something at some point. And then um, we had a conversation recently about doing, this kind of weekly thing because he's got fightful and he's you know got a lot of obligations so yeah. you've got to figure something out it's, it's easy enough for both of us so you know 45 minutes every Monday we just sit down and talk about the weekend talk about what's going on it's a bit of a laugh for both of us and hopefully I think that fightful and inside the ropes are quite similar uh, brands in terms of what people want so it feels like you know people who, from fightful who've not checked it inside the ropes will get more of what they like and vice versa with uh, the people who haven't checked out Fightful. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, like both guys, absolute top guys, I uh, got so much time for both of them. Um, like Sean, and Sean told me a lot. Um, I've asked him, you know, as particularly when I first kind of was starting out, I was asking him questions all the time and he'd always reply, even though I know he's inundated with DMs and he's busy doing this, that and the other. He always replies, he always... You know, he remember he remembers being he remembers being in your position. He remembers being, you know. Cause, I mean, because that, that I mean, it's, it's different for me because what Sean does, what I do, are very different. But like, mm. I often find it quite difficult when people ask advice about podcasting because it's so difficult now because there's so many podcasts. I mean, when we started doing ours in 2012, there, this was before any wrestler podcast had come around. The only one that was around we started was Colt Cabana with the Art of Wrestling. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, if you look at like now, I mean, if you're if you're a wrestling fan, right, and you say you have eight hours a week where you can listen to wrestling podcasts, and say you want to make sure that you listen to Jericho's too, and then you want to listen to an Out of Observer, and then you want to listen to J- Grill and Jr., and then you want to listen to post post shows and you put yeah. So before you know it, everything you, all your time's gone. So then for somebody new to come in, it's really difficult, even if it's good. So I think you know what. People like Sean are 
they remember what it's like to be in the position of like, okay, I've been doing this for a little while, but I want to do more and I want to keep going. What can I do? So, you know, I think if, if you're someone who's in Sean's position or my position and you're not open to giving people advice, then you're a bit of an arsehole. Short memories, I guess. But like, no, I mean, I've been really lucky in that, like, like I said, I've only been doing it 18 months, but I've been lucky that I've had, you know, some incredible guests and, you know, People, I was surprised because if a, a couple of people who I've asked, not from the, actually the wrestling industry, fully enough, but who um, who asked for a lot of money to appear, um, and I was a bit like, no, just because like if it was an in-person thing, then maybe I'd be like, yes, okay, but I just feel like it's a phone call. I'm not going to give you the one person, which I, you know, I'm not going to out them. But they asked for like three hundred quid for forty-five minutes, and I was just like, "But you know, my one piece of advice for that is we paid a couple of people for interviews back in the day in 2012, and you know, we I I won't say who but we we paid for one which was fifteen minutes, and it was a waste of time. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a waste of time; it was good, but it was just it, we shouldn't have paid for it. But the one that we did pay for that really did well for us was we paid Vince Russo in 2012 to interview him right after he'd left TNA. And the reason that it was worthwhile is because so many people found our podcast through that interview. So I think, you know, <clears throat> I would I would be open to paying somebody for something if it's like an exclusive... Right yeah, right person, you're confident that you're going to get stuff from them that's going to be... But, you know, don't pay someone who does a load of media anyway because then it's like you're essentially paying when they might just say that stuff to somebody else so but i, th- I think you're it's, it's right to definitely be selective with that i mean it's funny I'm, I'm for I, w- I will not name names but for the magazine we're obviously working on issue two right now because issue one which you can purchase at magazine.com by the way um we're working on issue two already obviously and um we're going to be doing like a short interview like a one-page interview and we we reached out to what we thought would be a very fun '90s WWF name, mid card name, not a top 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 guy. And we just said, look, you know, we're just like for 50 minutes. It's a print magazine, and we were told, um, you know, he will need to see the questions. He needs to know how long it's going to be, and he's going to need a fee. And it's like for a magazine that's a print magazine, it's going to go out to thousands of people. Like you do not need. To be paid yeah. to do that, um, but yeah, I think as a general rule of thumb, it's not the best idea. But I think there are the odd exceptions, and for us, Russo was that exception. Yeah, and I think like I'm not like completely closed off to the idea, but kind of like the the person who asked for that that amount of money for a very short kind of time was um, like. You you definitely have to DM me and let me know who that is. By the way, yeah. just just you just don't know it. Is, though. That's that's oh really? That's 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 the thing. Like I've had bigger guests and and I've had I've been so lucky because I've spoken to like I said I've spoken to some heroes. I've spoken to some some you know big big names in football and MMA and things like this, which have been done either through the kindness of their heart and just giving up their time, like yourself, or you know, just through a friend of a friend or whatever it may be. And, like, even in your situation, like, there's, you know, you... There's no reason for you to come on my show, but you said you would, so... But I, 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 do you know what I mean? Like, you've got... A, you, your platforms 
streets and streets and streets ahead of work where I am and you don't have to give up your time from a busy schedule to speak to me but and that's why I appreciate it so much because you know you're not but the, the thing is it's like you need you know you need to meet <clears throat> you need to remember that like doing media is a good thing it's not a bad thing I don't do it a lot because I don't really see I, I don't really think people would be interested to hear what I've got to say but now that there's a magazine coming out it would be crazy for me to not be open to doing that but I mean the thing is that I remember being in your position I remember messaging people asking for interviews so I think when you've been in that position then you're more uh what's the word you're more sort of sympathetic to it because you've been in that spot like I was I remember I remember in 2012 messaging people on Facebook like every day like trying to get interviews um and it's it's rough and because the level of sort of ex- the level of um yes to no is it's, 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 it's response sometimes is yeah. non-existent. But look, I mean, the thing is, you know, if, and if I, if I take out a pure a pure sort of like you seem like a, a good guy and I want to come on and talk to you, if I take that out of it, if I do this and one person subscribes to our magazine, then what a bonus, you know? No, absolutely. And and like I just enjoy talking. Like I started doing podcasting just really for my own mental health. Like I've got some physical health problems. And it was getting to me, and I was like, "Oh, I've got to do something." Like, I really, this is really getting to me. I was struggling big time, so I thought, well, "I've done. I've wanted to do podcasting for a long time. I'd done a couple with Sean on like Fightful Select." So I was like, "Right, I'm just going to do it." So I just started it, did it, did it with some friends to start with, and then kind of just progressed to where it is. And it's got this growth. I've been <clears throat> I've been doing podcasts for eight years. And I legitimately do not know how to do what you've done with your background. I have no idea. So you're further ahead than me in knowing how to do things. My dog's about to go nuts because someone just knocked the door. <laughs> it's handy when you're recording it. The joys of independent podcasting. That's it, mate. I, um, so just to kind of finish off, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a couple of things about wrestling, kind of just generally. What's sure. Your, what's your favourite show to watch at the moment, currently, weekly? Um... I would I would have said up until recently Dynamite with AEW. I do still really enjoy that show. I'm also enjoying SmackDown a lot. I thought SmackDown last week was killer, like the the Bailey turn and uh, the Roman heel turn and uh, Biggie now as a babyface. And I think they're doing some really interesting stuff. But it's, yeah, between it's between Dynamite and SmackDown for me, um, just because they feel more chaotic and they feel more uh, urgent. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd probably go agree with that. I thought, actually, up until this week, I thought Raw had been better the last couple of weeks as well. Um, yeah, Raw's been decent. A bit of a, a, bit of a, a dive this week. Um, I think AEW and NXT have been consistent, although I don't know what it is with NXT at the moment. There's just... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the lack of full-sale crowd, if it's the aesthetic of full-sale. There's just something which is, for me... It's just not quite clicking, and I enjoy their stories. I enjoy the characters. I like the wrestlers, etc. Mm-hmm. It's just something, and I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I'm I'm not a big sixty-minute Iron Man match fan, so like because I, I struggle to pay attention for kind of that long. Uh, so that's kind of that that's a struggle for me. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I I think NXT will come, especially with the. With you know Balor as the new champion, I think that will be a new, interesting way to go. So, um, and they've got a takeover coming up soon. I think in October. So, yeah. I'm sure they'll start building stuff soon. And it'll get better. Um, 
final question. Would mm-hmm. you turn Adam, um, uh, would you implode the Undisputed Era or would you move them in the draft to a SmackDown? Oh. <clears throat> um, I would, I would move them. I would move them to Raw to basically count, like, I think Retribution have been pretty diabolical, to be honest, just because I, I, I think the verbiage has been really over-scripted. But I'm hoping that once they sort of unmask and they figure out who they are, that they can be a kind of faction. So I like the idea of maybe the Undisputed Era coming to even the odds. And hopefully... And you've got the hurt business as well, so it kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you've got a lot of factions going on, and that can kind of... I mean, I'm not saying it's going to give us the Shield versus the Wyatt family from Elimination Chamber 2014, but if we can get close to that one more time, then I'd be I'd be mad into it. And I think factions are... Long-time fans really enjoy factions, and factions are a good way to... You know, people like Shelton Benjamin or, um, you know, Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley or... Um, I think Dominic Dijakovic, if he's in that faction, like those are ways to get those guys further because they're in groups with really interesting stories. Yeah, the the most important thing is that whoever's in Retribution, they can be stars, whoever it is, but it's how they're portrayed. If they're losing matches two weeks in, then they'll be dead in the water as quick as can be. It's yeah. if they're portrayed as a big deal and they slot in, so like the main guy or girl, whoever's in the group, if they slot in at the top of the card and they beat Randy Orton, like Keith B did, or you know whoever, like a main event star. Mm-hmm. You portray them as main event stars. If their work is good as well, then that's what they'll be. Yeah. At the end of the day. Fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Okay, uh, Kenny, thank you so much for your time. Tell the people where they can find the uh, the various inside the ropes. Um, yes, you can. Um, you can if you search for Inside the Ropes on any podcast platforms for Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find all of our podcasts on there, from the Power Slam podcast with Finn Martin, the Inside the Ropes podcast with myself and Sandra, who is a crazy American lady who started watching wrestling in 2010 and doesn't understand why people love the Undertaker so much. And uh, now Monday Night Live with Sean Ross Sapp. We've got a Patreon, which is the best way that you can kind of directly support us. We do a lot of bonus content on there, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. Um, subscribe or buy a copy of our magazine. If you like print magazines, if you used to read Power Slam or you used to read WWF magazine, you can go to inside the ropes magazine.com. And then finally, you can go to our YouTube channel uh, to get loads of interview content from past live shows. I do interviews on Zoom. We've got Alex McCarthy interviews on there as well now. So uh, youtube.com forward slash inside the ropes. There's an interview that went up last night with Chris Jericho talking about the Roman Reigns heel turn, uh, helping Sammy Guevara get through some of his issues, John Moxley, Mimosa Mayhem. So there's tons and tons of stuff if you uh, enjoy wrestling. Indeed. Um, just quickly, uh, sure. Eddie, sorry. Um, with the Inside the Ropes, you know, like the past shows which you've done, the spoken word shows, are they mm-hmm. available on like DVD or on demand for people to watch? They are not available. Um, we we decided a long time ago that the, the best way for everybody from the talent to us is to have promotional clips on YouTube yeah. um, rather than selling full shows. Um, plus, it would be a different agreement with talent to do that, to have a full show. Like yeah, and, it, and the other thing is, is that nowadays you can't really control people just ripping stuff and yeah. using it. So, um, I mean, for example, like, for example we, we put up a clip months ago of uh, Cody Rhodes talking about his favourite Undertaker story when he was in the 2008 Royal Rumble. And, like, I've seen, like, five or six YouTube videos that have basically taken that and monetized it themselves, which is totally... It's, it's, it's fair game when it's on YouTube, I guess. 
um, well, I mean, I say it's fair game. We will dispute it, but yeah, as you know, people do. It. So I think, yeah, if we were to sell a DVD for fifteen dollars or something, guaranteed it, it'd be ripped to be on torrent sites, it'd be on YouTube. So it just yeah. doesn't no, seem like the best. Like I'd like to watch some of that. Huh. Yeah, um, well, we'll, 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 we have a bank and we have a bank of the stuff uh, that will keep going up on YouTube. So we will, yeah, more will keep going up all the time. Indeed, uh, Kenny, thank you for for joining me, mate. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks, guys, sir. thanks for watching, listening. Uh, subscribe youtubecom Nation for podcast interviews and content on all sorts of subjects. And uh, you can also find uh, our, all our shows in audio format on various platforms, Spotify. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, basically everywhere you can find a podcast. Just search Ace Podcast Nation and you'll see a load of different series. Cheers, Kenny. Thank you. And uh, thanks to everyone. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.